Well, all right, everybody. Swing your partner round and round. The backstabbing antics in 2012's Nashville may turn your smile into a frown. I'm just, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, today, we are doing, uh, we're doing 2012's Nashville, a Connie Britton vehicle, back when the country was rightfully gripped by Connie Britton mania in the aftermath of Friday Night Lights. I found this excruciating, but today we we're, were joined by a guest who I thought was going to hate this show and initially started out hating this show, but now is, he will now be the counterpoint. He will now be, he will now be the Vidal to my Buckley on 2012's Nashville. We're, we're joined today by Nate Roos. Nate, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'd like to point out, unfortunately, that I've circled back around and I fucking hate it. Okay, good, good, good. But I could, but I, I, I suppose if I had to, I could talk to you about why maybe it, I could see the appeal to it, but no, it's fucking, it's so bad. Okay, so I'm going to like try to like go through this first season. And I kind of want you, while we're following along here, you know, you started at the very beginning, you hated it. Then when I talked to you most recently, you're like, I, I don't know. I know I shouldn't, but I kind of love this. And now you, you're back to hating it. I hate it, but I also was like dreaming about it all last night. So it was very strange. It's it's having a really gripping effect on me. It's like Hayden Panettiere, however you pronounce her name. She's just like she's she's literally resonating in my head right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I have never heard anyone say that. I like nothing, nothing against her, but it's just like. No, I don't you know. understand. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm trying. I can't. I'm. I'm freaking out. I'm glad that we can just <laughs> we can do this, so I can just exercise the the whole Nashville thing altogether and just get back to my back to my normal life. But like, I've been kind of under the weather for the last few weeks, and last night it felt particularly bad. And so I'm just sitting here watching like uh, another episode of Nashville, and uh, you know I'm thinking, okay, I'm only going to watch a couple of episodes. I ended up fast forwarding through like seven episodes. Um, and just watching like different parts of the episode in order to like kind of figure out and, and so easy to deduce. Like you, it's the easiest work to just watch one scene and you know what's happening on the whole entire show. So uh, I did that all the way through the first season and um, and it it haunted me like it like like very weirdly haunted me all last night. That's OK. That's like something very specific to this show is how dense it feels. Like, I was trying to describe what watching this show felt like to me, and it felt like fucking... Do you remember, like, from the 90s, like, all those Wu-Tang affiliate albums from guys like <laughs> yeah. Capadonna that are, like, 47 tracks? And you you hear it, and you're like, I mean, it's like, this guy isn't bad. Like, he's he's a good rapper, but, like, this is just so much fucking rap. Yeah, you never... This is I so much, and it's, like, it's so dense, and that's how I feel about Nashville. There's just so fucking much of it and i always know where they're going always oh yeah they're always going in the same place and not only is it like not only is it dense but the time moves so like as someone who obviously has worked in recording and then i'm watching it and i'm like okay so they're like releasing a single in like two days they've really figured everything out like it takes it takes me like six months to even like do anything yeah, no, I have. I'm very interested in. I, I I was kind of interested in how you could make a good music show, but we'll 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 get to that later. The thing with the thing though, like before I really dive into this, the two things that are interesting to me here, 
this is I cannot objectively call this a bad show, right? Because I've watched a million like shitty network shows and shows that are geared at the same audience as Nashville. And, you know, the writing isn't bad. Most of the performances are very good. The directing is like, you know, completely acceptable. There's nothing it really does worse than anything else. And I was racking my brain trying to figure out like why it was so hard for me to get to. And the thing that I figured out was that it's like every, like I would, I'm not exaggerating. 95% of this show is a man and a woman arguing (laughs) where it's like a man and a woman who just broke up or a man and a woman who broke up 20 years ago and are like, they're doing the inverted. Will they won't they? where they've already fucked. And then it's and then they have to figure it out for the next like five seasons. It's, it's very like, you know, there's that famous 30 rock joke of like POV porn for women. But like, this is, this is, this is like Banshee for women. Like in the same way that Banshee is aspirational for men, this is Raina James, um, Connie Britton is aspirational for women because she's cool in the way that like Lucas hood is to men to women, but also she gets to have all the arguments they want. You get to, you fulfill the fantasy. If you're a woman of (laughs) being like having money as like a middle-aged, like upper middle-class milf, but reliving your favorite arguments from your meanest ex from when you're 22. You want me to, do you want me to follow up on that? Um, I mean, I think (laughs) it was weird. The show was made, I think during the glee popularity time. So, I think someone said, okay, how about we combine Gossip Girl and Glee? Yes, yeah. And make it for country music, and and they did it, and they did a wonderful job at that. Right, no, I think we think the same thing here, that this is, like, in form and content. There's nothing awful about it. It's just, like, I, that, that's my main takeaway. When I watch this, I'm like, this is, like, really not for me. I Well, yeah, I, I was watching and thinking, like, there's a lot of, like, nondescript white guys how do these guys get cast in movies or like in shows like this like who moves to hollywood like looking like absolutely anybody and then like what do you do until you get your big break because it's all a whole bunch of like nondescript white guys who are like you know in their like early 40s to 50s like when did they decide i just kept thinking like when did this guy decide to move to hollywood i okay i thought that and then i like I was like posting stuff from the show because, you know, I watched like 21 episodes in like four days. Like I mainlined this shit. I was like posting about it. And my mom and sister like love this fucking show. And they like that. That's what really made me delve into this is like they they usually have an amazing taste. But they were like, I would just post like, yeah, a white guy that I couldn't pick out of a lineup. And they'll be like. Oh, Deacon's so handsome in this episode. I remember. (laughs) He's just like to us. He's just like, I guess Deacon's wearing a slightly different hat than usual. Dude, Deacon, (laughs) Deacon, when Deacon's drunk, it's amazing. That that was like a highlight for me was like, like fast forwarding and then being like, whoa, whoa, Deacon looks like he's drunk. And then like unfast forwarding it and like watching him act as a drunk guy. And I'm like, I don't, I haven't been around that that kind of drunk guy before deacon he's i'm gonna get into the characters but like he is anytime you see a character introduces having sobriety in a network tv show they are going to relapse in about three seconds <laughs> they are not gonna make it that is chekhov's gun they're you know six years of sobriety or however many it's gone it's done it's not lasting 
Yeah, that is wild. I've never actually thought about that. But it, and like it always makes my heart sink, too, when someone says that they're sober on a show because I'm like, oh, this isn't going to end well. But I never actually put it together that it's a fact. No, it is. They are set up to fail. I mean, it, it's it's an easy way to, like, score some tragedy without killing a character. I think that's why they do it so much. Oh, yeah. That and probably a lot of screenwriters. It's the only, like, real dramatic thing from their life that they can relate. <laughs> it's like being sober, saving their own lives. But um, I'm going to I'm going to get into the characters a little bit to educate our listeners who do not have moms or older sisters who watch the show. Um, Nashville is, I think Nate described it very succinctly as sort of riding the glee wave, but it is, it is about a older country singer, someone who used to be the big, the big star, Connie Britton. Um, she plays Raina James and she would be like sort of, she's sort of like a Faith Hill type figure, I would say, but Faith Hill, if she experienced like a precipitous drop in album sales and fame. Mm -hmm. And Raina is married to Teddy Conrad, who is one of the most boring characters ever created. <laughs> just, played a by Eric Close. just a fucking loser. Yeah. He's all his only characteristics are that he gets cheated on and that he cheats. Uh, and he knows how to lose money really well. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's another thing. It's like, this is the gossip girl rule. If a guy is set up as a good businessman, he's actually bankrupt. I mean, I would actually, that's a, that's the OC. The OC started that, but also, also gossip girl. I, I think um, Eric, Eric Close's Teddy Conrad, the thing that really turned me on this show was that they hung a 12 episode arc around him. They, they depended uh -huh. on him carrying the worst storyline I've probably ever seen on a successful TV show. So freaking bad. I, I actually uh, watched one of the episodes where they were trying to frame him for oh hugging God. a woman at a park. Well, he and did have it. He did have an affair, but eventually like, though, was it, wasn't it eventually he had an affair or no, he had an affair before that, but it's oh. like at that point, like I don't even, I didn't even care. No one cared. Like it's like he's, so they have him, they hang the mayor's race of Nashville. That's his storyline. They, they are like, you are carrying this storyline, Teddy Conrad, Eric Close. You, this, is, this is going to be like the B, B plot for like 10 episodes in a row. And it's one of the most excruciating storylines on a show that has gone five seasons I've ever seen. Because it's like, yeah, why do I care if he wins the if he becomes the mayor of Nashville, like a bullshit position in the first place, why do I care that like the only reason they're showing him as having cheated with that woman is so you're like, Oh, I guess it's like not that bad that like Raina cheats on him. I guess they're both like, they're both doing it, but like it's just the, the sexual tension between him and the woman he cheats with is it, it's like a, Equivalent to like a, an, employee, an employee training video with high production. <laughs> There's just no fucking chemistry there. There's nothing hot or even like interesting about it. I don't know how they like usually this is fodder is usually saved for like a third season of a show. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this was in like the first 10 episodes, like a storyline. They I would say it's the longest continuing storyline in the first season. I don't I do not get how this show was that successful while doing that because other things about it make sense. And like this is a show largely carried by Connie Britton. That's a great person to carry your show, you know, but like the the Teddy 
all the Teddy storylines are just death. They feel like serotonin syndrome. Yeah. Awful. Teddy, yeah. He he's like the he's also like the human like blank face syndrome or whatever, where you're face blind. Like you could <laughs> I, I will never remember him no matter how hard I try. I'm looking and I'm just seeing like a blank slate on his face. He could kill a member of my family in front of me and I wouldn't know how to describe him. I, I mean, for sure. Like <laughs> He, I, I, I think the first time I looked at him, I was like, okay, that guy's handsome. And then the next time I saw him, I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is like, it's the experience of having, being like the guy from Memento, which is out of boredom. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about the dad, no one's worse than the dad to me on the show. Oh, that's the dad. Yeah, that's the dad. No, no, the, the her, oh, oh, Connie oh. Britton's dad. Oh, yeah, to Powers Booth. Powers Booth is Powers Lamar Booth. Wyatt. Is pa- yeah. And his powers, like, I know I've seen him places, but has he always been this annoying and everything? Well, he's a character actor, and he always plays the same character, which is, like, evil Southerner. The, like, all they did was show close-ups on his face, like, looking angry. <laughs> I, like, um, I really enjoyed Powers Booth in, like, most things he's in. Like, he's one of the, well, one of the more uh, honored character actors of the last 40 years. He was okay. very good in Deadwood. I did think here it's kind of like, all right, they they didn't give him much direction. They're like, okay, just hey, powers, do your regular thing of being being an evil Southern aristocrat. Yeah, his heart, his heart wasn't really that into it. It seemed okay. Oh, well, I'm sorry, powers, powers, is powers Booth? Yeah, power, yeah I'm sorry, yeah. powers Booth. I didn't mean to say anything bad about you. I will say this is like I wouldn't put it in his like top twenty performances. He just he didn't seem inspired. He was probably he was thinking the same thing we were, where it's that he's like, "How long did this last?" Yeah, and it ends up being this huge show. It's so it's that's kind of like the lethal weapon thing too. Obviously, with the the stuff that the show that we do, like we're watching, and it's just like you just see them start to phone it in, like four episodes in, and you're like, "Okay, well, this is only going to last a season," and then it lasts like a few more seasons, and you're like, "How the fuck do you show up to work every day?" Like, like I will like quit a band the second I'm like just like. Like, feel any sort of, like, okay, this is not going anywhere. Well, is it that's the difference between an actor and a musician, right? Is that an actor's pathology is that they always need to be working, no matter how degrading or uninspiring it is, because it's, you're an actor because of the void inside you. So you always have to fill that with a role or a job. You always have to be working. Even if you're, like, if you, even if you're a guy who's made, like, $200 million, you're still going to do, like, an ad for Crypto.com because it's like, yeah, it's another job. But if you're a musician, you're like, it's drama time. Yeah, well, except I for... I love Con- leaving. Except for Connie Britton, because her character, she was, like, uh, she was really thirsty for it. It, it. Like, I found it strange that that her and Hayden... How the fuck do you say her last name? I've never known. Hayden, Hayden, Hayden Panettiere, who plays the character Juliet Barnes, who is a, she's a rival. She's the young up-and-comer to Raina James's more established role in the country but, music scene. But she's already, like, rich. She's already doing, like, sold-out crazy tours. And yet they've somehow never met each other prior to the, the first, uh, the pilot episode. And then they proceed to basically be in each other's like same circle every single day since. Oh my God. They become Eskimo sisters. <laughs> they absolutely become Eskimo sisters for sure. Yeah. No, very quickly. I way quicker than I would have expected, but yeah, they, so Hayden Penetary is she's outselling Juliet Barnes. Juliet Barnes clearly on her way down. 
Hayden Panettiere, uh, or I mean, sorry, uh, Raina James clearly on her way down. Juliet Barnes, Hayden Panettiere clearly on her way up. Um, they, you know, Juliet's already surpassed Raina, but Raina's camp, it, they're going, okay, well, what if you did a duet album? What if you did, what if you do a tour with Juliet Barnes? And Hayden Panettiere in these first five episodes is like, I don't like, I don't want to do that. That's demeaning. I don't care. She's more popular than me. I've been here. She's, she sucks. I'm, I'm the best. She sucks. And eventually they do, they do kind of get them together because it, it is really the only way forward for Raina James. And amidst this, we, we are reintroduced to an old flame from Raina James. And this is, it's the man, every woman who loves this show loves Deacon Claiborne the man whose sobriety lasted about 30 seconds in real time. <laughs> Deacon is a former former collaborator to Juliet. He is a former lover. Most of her hit songs are actually about him, but she had to drop him off at rehab. He drank too much. He's a, he's a loser, but in a, in a way that, you know, he's like a 40-year-old baby with stubble, but a baby who knows he's bad, which is... You know, you men out there, don't try it. You can't be that. You can't be Deacon. Deacon has too much rugged symmetry that you will never have. Yeah, but this, yeah I, he's got some nice wrinkles. I wish, I hope that, I, I wish I could look like Deacon when I'm his I don't, age. I feel like it's like hard, yeah. I wonder if those type of guys are, are, aren't as handsome maybe when they're younger and then they age into that. Because that'd be way cooler than like looking good oh um, at a young age. Being a late bloomer at 43 would be pretty fucking sick. Oh, that would rock. Well, but then you have to make sure that, like, you don't have, you're not tied down, you know? I I also found it weird the way that he was uh, hitting on um, Raina in the first episode. Like, they're walking along the beach, and he's like, I've had many great nights with you. Um, <laughs> I just found him to be inappropriate, like, right off the bat. Oh, yeah, this is a pre-Me Too show, you know? Right. Everyone, get, everyone would be yeah. frustrated with the real guy. Right. He um, he, he just like I said, he's a lousy drunk and I don't like I, I find it fascinating that he's like a legend and all this type of stuff. And he's been with Raina for all this time. But then he's just like living in like a shack. Yeah. No, the economics of this character and everything else, it makes zero sense. But like I it's weird how when this show chooses to cut to the chase and when it chooses to take its time, because I think in the first 30 minutes of this show of the entire show, like in the pilot, the loser, like mayoral candidate husband goes, he literally says out loud to Juliet after we've had a lot of, uh, after we've had a lot of Deacon scenes, he goes, look, I know I'm your second choice for husband. <laughs> and they have like, they have like two teenage daughters and shit. Like they've presumably been together for a very long time. And he's just like the second they go upstairs, he's like, yeah, look, I know that you've been thinking about fucking Deacon while you've been with me for the last, like, nearly two decades. But it's time to, you know, you can't bring Deacon on the tour because I know I'm the second choice. Yeah. I, I, was the divorce easy on the show between the two of them? It seemed like they just kind of were like, okay, well, I guess we're getting a divorce. They kind of did it Friday Night Light style where this is a trick FNL does a lot where they set something. All they really want is the setup where it's like, oh my God, are they going to get divorced or are they not? How is this going to go? 
uh, and you can get you can juice like five episodes of B or C plot out of that. Mm-hmm. But then when you by the time you get there, you've developed so many A plots that you could just be like have a short scene where they're signing the papers and it's like, oh, they're they're done. They did it. Divor- it's they're divorced. Yeah, that was I, I, I was hoping that there was going to be a few more tears at least. Yeah, I mean, it did seem like similar to very similar to Deacon's sobriety. It was yes. like this is not going to last that many episodes. This marriage, no, not after their like the first yeah the first argument they had where she like where he basically owns up to being just a giant fucking loser who just <laughs> who loses money uh, and just can't get anything right and just wants to get everything right but doesn't actually do anything to get anything right. Yeah, if your argument with your wife, if you're during an argument with your wife, you're like, look, I know that I lost all our money and that you don't love me, but. I guess maybe I hope that's deliberate because that is a funny writing choice. It's very Anna Karenina to have him in all these arguments be like, I know I suck. I know like the one redeeming thing about me (laughs) that I'm a good provider. I don't even do that now. And that you I'm well aware of the fact that you don't actually love me nor are attracted to me. But I'm going to do all these I'm going to do all these lame things like when I see you at a party, I'm going to say you're so enchanting. You're so good at charming people. You're so good at the cocktail parties, Raina. Like that's gonna win her back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. This is once again the most nondescript guy. I I really truly hated him. Even before he ran even before he was gonna run for mayor. He's despicable. He's a despicable nothing <laughs> of a man. But- he needs to he needs to never I mean, I guess he he under, talked about understanding the assignment, but I never want to see him again. No, I never want to see him again either. I want to know. Uh, I was watching one of the other episodes, and one of the girls was breaking up with um, God. What is Gunner? Yeah, Gunner. 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 <laughs> she's dating. He's breaking up with with Wanna. He's he, he's not. He's he's pushing too much P. Yeah, he's pushing too much P. Uh, she's breaking up with. Wanna and um, and she also says to him like I know you just wanted Scarlet the whole time is that what everybody does on Nashville is they just jump into relationships knowing that that person wants the more obvious person that is the only thing that happens on Nashville everyone is giving their two weeks notice in every relationship they're in and then just dating their friends ex they're just the whole team hits in Nashville. If one person had herpes in Nashville, the entire town is getting it because all their no one new ever comes in. They're just swapping them out. Have you ever been to Nashville? Yeah, I have. I, I went to Nashville when I was like 14 and we are okay. we are doing a show there soon. It's it's I, like it's fine. Uh, somehow most of like my my crew, uh, like when I would tour was from Nashville, either from Nashville or Canada and it's weird because everybody in Nashville kind of does know everybody in Nashville. Like I've like, I know people from all walks of life in Nashville and everybody knows each other. Yeah. It's, I guess maybe that's true to life. Then maybe that's what the, how they really get down there. But that's what, but that's what confused me about I guess Raina James and, and uh, Hayden Juliet or whatever her name is like meeting for the first, first time. Um, But what do I know? Well, that that is like okay. So that's you brought up Gunner, you brought up Gunna, the character <laughs> responsible for another storyline. I don't like that much. <laughs> this no, is, uh, do not like this. Gunna is a 
like he's a very ambitious, you know, up and coming Nashville star. He's like a ripe young 37 year old, it appears. And everyone's like, Gonna, you're sick. Like we we love your songs that sound exactly like Deacons, blah, blah, blah. Why don't we sign you and you can ditch your band? And this this immediately tells us he's he's the type of guy to snake his friends. He's backdooring. He's a snake. You can't trust him. And this greatly, this destroys his relationship with uh, Kylie. Is that the character's name? Kylie? Or am I fucking that up? Is Kylie the, is she like a manager or a label person or something? Are you talking about Scarlet? Oh, no, I'm talking about Scarlet. You're right. You're right. I, I fucked up the names. That's how that's how bad the storyline is. I think uh, there was every time they showed Scarlet and Gunna, it was like a quantum physics problem. Like somehow I would have the entire like five minute scene on without pausing it or rewinding it. But I felt like I was on my phone for 120 minutes of those five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they they really just had they had so many will they won't they uh, moments in that yeah. first season. There's an excruciating thing where Gunner's old band links up with like another a woman that he's made sad that he's 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 done he's done gunna shit to. He's pushing he's not pushing P, he's pushing betrayal. And they're like, why don't we start the band why don't we start a band of people who were betrayed by Gunner? And they do that. And I don't even really remember what happens. <laughs> like I, it's I can't I could not tell you, man. I his couldn't. brother shows up. Yeah. I, that's 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 all I know from fast forwarding. It's it, the 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 storylines they're doing where it's implied they're like under Oh my god, this is how bad these storylines are. This is Avery I'm thinking of, not Gunna. Gunner is oh, a different character. Oh is, no, I'm thinking of Avery oh and Scarlet. Gunner Avery is, is the, Avery is the fucking worst. That's how bad Avery is. That I got a mixed up. I guess I just wanted to talk about Gunner, but no, it's Avery. That's how the fucking shitty the non-Deacon, non-Juliet, non-whatever storylines are. You thought that, but I didn't think the Deacon lines, uh, the storylines were very. I only like the Hayden Panettiere storylines. Real, I, I, well, I think just by default. Those two are the best. They're the, the better of the two, but like the Gunner storylines, awful. The Avery storylines, sub replacement level, like horrible, uh, excruciating. It's like if you made a show that was just thin and meadow arguments. I love that that Avery, like he he gets whisked away to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then and then nothing happens. Like he seems like a total loser too. He's like he's like the short equivalent to. Uh, Raina's husband. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, I really do see why so many women love this show because it is like, it is a very satisfying takedown of men who have no characteristics. <laughs> yeah. Which you just, I think like as a woman growing up, like when you're in your early twenties, you probably accidentally date a lot of those guys. I can see how that could happen. That you're like, if you're like 22 and you're like, well, this guy, he's hiding his characteristics. And then you date him for a year and it's like, he's got nothing. He's an Avery. He's an Avery. He's a gunner. He's a, he's a petty. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm just I'm trying to figure out if I'm, if I'm, I was one of those guys in my whole entire life. If you were like an N, a relationship NPC. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I was, I'm trying to think of any of my, like maybe. Yeah. I know people that are like that for sure. I'm, I, but I'm, I'm, uh, omitting myself from that. Yeah, I mean like you can't you can't you can't choose for yourself. I um I don't know. 
I like sometimes I meet like a friend's boyfriend and I'm I'm like you don't know it but you're an NPC like you're <laughs> did you, the the reason you're in this storyline which is in real life is for you to for for the protagonist the girl you're dating to, to like go do something else. Yeah, I love <laughs> but I love hanging out with NPCs cuz they usually just want to talk about sports and that's all I want to do anyways. Oh my god, it's very relaxing. And you can yes. like you, you can get them on any dialogue tree. Oh, for sure. And like and they they might want to be there more than you, but um, but they they know how to like yeah, they can at least carry like a boring conversation. I love boring conversations the most. They're relaxing sometimes. I, I wonder what like the casting call was like for the show because they did do a legitimately great job of finding guys like this. Where did, I wonder if it was like it was like you had to fill out a spreadsheet and it was like how many relationships ended because you got cheated on <laughs> all of them. <laughs> The acting is 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 surprisingly, as you said, the acting is surprisingly decent on this show. So maybe maybe they were channeling uh, really well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I wish I could like enjoy this show in the way that like my mom and sister could because of of for what it's doing, they're so good at it. It's just so. Yeah, I can't. I've I, I've I have purposely never really called this show bad. It's just the thing it's doing is antithetical to anything I'd like. This is a show entirely about like exes arguing. Yeah, I, 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 maybe like I would like get way too into like the music stuff just to be like, ah, it's like it's like that. It's not like that. So I I went in and just did not care about the dating stuff. I mean, I was mm-hmm. just able to just like check out because that's another like thing about kind of relationship shows is that you, you've 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 seen them all at this point. And so I was like, okay, well, but at least we're like in that, the setting's different. Um, and there's dealing with the music stuff. And maybe that's why I like the Hayden Panettiere characters because you kind of got to see her life as like a pop star. And as like, it didn't seem like she had to me as many uh, relationship, like will they want days. So I, I was very interested in what you would say about this because they really, the last half of the first season, they sort of, they really push things along using like Juliet trying to Juliet doubting herself, Raina trying to sort of leapfrog Juliet, the big uh, awards thing. I don't know if you saw that episode. Oh my God. The the CMAs who knew that the CMA was like the greatest award that anyone could ever get that. I love stuff like that. That's great. I love stuff like that where it's like, Oh my God. Like, she cheated me out of a People's Choice Award. <laughs> it was fu- It was so good. I was watching just being like, are CMA Awards real? I think they are real, so they must be sponsoring this show. It wouldn't be that big of a deal to get a CMA award. I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't, I don't know if that really, like, would mean shit to either of these people. Well, I don't know, because I was trying to, like, give the benefit of the doubt again here, because, like, you know how with, like, Nashville Country... We have probably heard of like half the guys. Like I know yes. the guy, um, the guy who called the other white guy the N word and got canceled, <laughs> but like got uncanceled. Oh, and you then there's the ta- ma- there's the Mandalay Bay guy. No, I don't know the yeah. guy who called the other the other guy an N word, but I'm gonna look it up after. I know who he is because Lil Durk just did it. Morgan something. Oh fuck. Okay, yeah. I he Morgan White Wallen. They all kind of look, but they all kind of look like Deacon too, don't they? No, oh, yeah. Morgan Wallen looks like if Deacon had a dumber haircut, but the so does Derek's Bentley. 
So does fucking Jason Aldean. They all look like Deacon is probably like Genghis Khan. These are all his sons. They right. can spread his seed. I love how these these Nashville guys like dress and it's very true to form. Like they all dress like they all wear like a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible like leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. Um True Religions. That's yes. a big one. And then a flannel shirt that costs thirty seven hundred dollars. Yep. Yeah, and I and honestly, I have like most of the people I knew from Nashville dressed exactly like that. So I got to give uh, the uh, set or the 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 clothing person like some credit for that. No, honestly, this all felt very true to life. But it's, um, other than the accelerated time frame, because uh, they were really like they'd be out of a relationship in an episode. Okay, I want to ask you as far as far as like people joining and leaving bands, people snaking each other over record deals. I I was interested in what you you would say about that because yeah you said they speed up the timeline I like I yeah I've never been in the music business or anything but from what I can tell from the outside these things seem to take months and months and years and years but yes and here's where I'm gonna like help them out a little bit is and as we were just even saying like we can't even name like any male country musicians <laughs> it's a whole different world there. So, mm-hmm. like, I think they do, like, I was just, like, laughing, thinking, uh, seeing two people, like, sitting during the day and, like, writing a song together. And, like, they're, like, you know, scrap, like, they got a notepad and they're scratching their heads and stuff like that. Because that's not how I work. And, and it just seems funny and kind of just annoying. But maybe that's how they do it in Nashville. Right, right. I mean, like... And they How? go in the studio like that night and then they record because I do know I had a friend, uh, my old tour manager, like on tour, then ended up becoming uh, the tour manager for oh, fuck some other country guy. And they would go out like every other weekend on like a tour and they would do things like they'd only tour like four days out of the week and then they'd come home for the next few days. Like they just it, the shit's way different there. So like compare how they would write a song on the show versus how you know, you're familiar doing it. Well, I just do it. Like, I just like write it when I'm like laying in bed or something. Like I'm not writing it or like I'm singing into my phone usually. And then just driving around in my car and doing it by myself. But I've never like, if, if I'm going into a studio session, say I'm like writing a song for, for somebody or with somebody, I guess maybe you like sit there I've worked with country artists too. And yeah, they want to sit and they want to like get it all done in a day. Whereas like me and any of my like songwriter or producer friends are usually like, okay, cool. That's a cool idea. Uh, let's just link up uh, later and then nothing will ever happen. Yeah. I mean, which is, which is to me like much preferred. Cause I, nothing sucks worse than like going into a studio with someone and then being like, so what do you want to make this song about? Okay, cool. Now what rhymes with uh, landmine? <laughs> yeah that seems like it seems like if that's how all songs were written we would get one album every five years <laughs> yeah I, I mean oh fuck it, it I, but i didn't actually think the music on the show was that bad maybe that's just because i'm mm. country, i'm country dumb um and i kind of like like all country music there's just some some weird appeal to it for me so I was like, okay, cool. At least they're doing like a decent job with the songs. Okay, yeah. I right. I the songs like even when I thought they weren't amazing, I would think this is very true to life. Yeah. You know, like don't go chasing after boys and buses. I was like, that sounds like a fucking what's her name that's married to the hockey player? 
Oh, you know um, what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, I was like, this literally is a Carrie Underwood song. Yeah, like I don't so, know that it is, but it is. It's so country music's so cool because you could like joke lyrics end up working. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's sort of it's more like winking. Even like Nashville right. country is more like winking, self aware than people uh-huh. realize. Yeah, like all, no, all those absolutely. Jason Aldean songs are hilarious. Like he's, I mean, on purpose, kind of the songs where he's like rapping. Those are like, I feel like on purpose, like self-aware and stupid. Right. There's, there is like a weird level of self-awareness to, to some of that country music. It was interesting. Cause like when I was in my early twenties, uh, in a band and like writing music, it was all like emotional, like can't laugh or anything like that. And I started mm-hmm. listening to like alt country at the time. Um, and like, and then the, I would listen to like the old 97s and they would like, throw Oh my a joke. God. Yeah. They would like throw, they would just say sh- funny shit sometimes and i was like oh wait you don't have to be serious all the time but these guys like take it to a whole fucking new level i love so like my my entire family was really into like bloodshot records and all that shit when i was a kid i don't know how i don't know why because it was like yeah they're just like normal like secular like jewish parents but they were like i don't know why i don't know why they were into such cool shit they were i remember us going to like a anti-death penalty benefit concert that was like all bloodshot people and like nico case and shit when I was that's like a little so kid. fucking rad isn't that sick i like i never asked them like how did you guys get into that as like you know like 50 year olds but that is that's like sick oh man if my <laughs> like oh my my tr- life trajectory had my parents listened to bloodshot records would have been so different you think about how much i'm fucking like all i did was a podcast like i should have been i should have been making like art films with that start yeah uh, that's such a good, like, <laughs> i fucked it so so country music can what we're trying to say is country music can be really good right well no yeah but my yeah well, why i brought that up and like old 97s like I, i've like always loved old 97s and I got into it through them. I was the thing that I liked about it. It was the same thing that I like that I liked about rap and that I still love about rap is that it's, it has like a true sense of humor about uh-huh. it. Yep. And it, like there, there is like, you know, a, I feel like a Nashville country song that's funny is funny kind of in the way that Chaucer is where it's just like the way that the story is told, how ridiculous the story is. An alt country song is funny in the way that like Jiminy Glick is where you're sort of parodying the format rap the same way. I I mean, there are a lot of like stupid overwrought comparisons between country and rap, but the sense of humor being very similar. Yeah. A lot of a lot of hit rap songs are jokes. Oh, yeah. And I I love that they like a lot of hit rap songs will reference like the same bad like anchorman type of like shit that like. You like I used to make to my friends, mm-hmm. which is like for like that's like the NPC boyfriend. Like that is they eat that shit up. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that's it's what I call an iridescent piece of media, which I think is sort of the most impressive accomplishment. And by iridescent, I mean like you know how a duck's feathers are different colors at any angle you look at it under the light. Yes, a perfect piece of middle brown media is that. Oh yeah, one, no, I, one yeah, one group of people can look at it and go, "That's a that's this is a parody of something. This is a hilarious self aware joke." Another group of people can look at it and just enjoy it completely how it is given to them. Like they're, they're just there's nothing funny about this. This is just a this is a great exemplar of its art form. It is about what it is about. Uh, another group of people can you know they're like the people who watch pro wrestling now. 
where they're aware it's kind of a joke, but are, are also directly enjoying it. That is, if you're making middle brow art, that is the highest achievement. Oh yeah. No, I mean, believe me, I've, 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 I've accomplished it. <laughs> no. Yeah. You, you're a master of it. I've, I know exactly what I'm doing. I, yeah, I, I I think it takes a level of self-awareness. I'm going to just like up myself for a second and just say, yeah, I'm like, I, I'm super self-aware and those things like definitely play into your benefit. And I think I, I, I like to think hip hop artists are a, a lot more self-aware than your regular like rock artist. And I think those country guys, that, that's kind of another thing, too, is they they know and they they almost feel an obligation to write like jokes into a song. And it's disarming. It's really nice. No. Yeah, I wish. I wish more music was funny. I wish more music was, well, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind if Adam Sandler picked up a guitar again. I, I don't know why he hasn't. I think, like, I don't know, Adam Sandler's uh, approval ratings are higher than they've been, like, my uh, since, like, the early 90s. Yeah, that's true. He's not, he, they, 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 there's, now there's just clips of him, like, playing basketball. Yeah, but it's just, like, he's, I mean, talk about an actor that could win a governor's race. But if, I'm saying, like, if he picked up the guitar again, like, no one... No one would be annoyed with him. Everyone would be like, all right, let's go, Adam. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I would rather listen to that than like um, like a Bo Burnham or something like that. Oh, my God. OK, that's that is a perfect counterexample of what we're talking about. Right. Okay. Yes. Because the songs in Nashville or the song like songs in the real life Nashville or like some. Yeah. Some hit songs. They are jokes written by like career musicians who know all who know why making a song like this would be funny but they're also written in a way where it's like junk food where it's like you can it's so well made right in it you know the sciences of music way that you can enjoy it but it's still to people who really know it's a wonderful self-aware joke right like a ass and grass nobody rides for free yeah yeah or like your boys and buses Uh, right but but to the Bo Burnham, like that. I not all his musical comedy. I will say the last thing I saw inside or whatever it was called. That is the opposite because they are presented to me like jokes. But really, what I am supposed to, what the maker of them wants me to think is, wow, what a what a deep well of feeling this guy has. Yeah, and that was kind of that when you and I were talking even about this show. That's why I was saying I'm so glad that I'd rather watch one of these than. Uh, like a Queen's Gambit or whatever those shows mm-hmm. are that my wife puts on, like, and I come in at night and I'm like ready to go to bed and like it's like it's loud and I'm like oh it's okay you can l- leave the TV on I'll be fine and I close my eyes and I'm listening to the dialogue and I have to be like you need to, can you please just like turn that down yeah like, those those shows are bad like if this was on because I know because my wife also watches like Grey's Anatomy and it's fucking I love that shit like. It's so great to listen to and fall asleep to Uh, Nashville. If my wife was into this, like it'd be the exact same thing. I'd be like, oh, this is this is there's not it's not pretentious. um, It's not pretentious television like the same way that, you know, like writing a pretentious joke song. That's well, that is why I wanted to do this show, because I feel like it is the last one of the last pieces of media before media overdosed on self-awareness uh-huh. before like, like the people that wrote the show and wrote the songs and probably even most of the people performing in it, they're doing that thing where it's like people who really know, like, no, this is kind of like, this is sort of, we're sort of making a joke of soap operas or we're sort of making a joke of country music. Or we're sort of making a joke of whatever. Right. 
but they are okay with 98% of people not getting it. After that, I would say everything since like 2016 or 2017, they cannot stand the idea that you do not know that they're in on the joke. Yep. Yeah, so this all is, it is is like looking at you, looking at the camera. Yes, this is uh, this is great um, insight because it is a weird thing where everybody like was kind of more so going for like a good Rotten Tomatoes score, which doesn't isn't indicative of like being entertaining. No, and it it also with that or with Rotten Tomatoes, you cannot measure. I mean, no one can really measure this in like a, a, a in right. a numeric way. We well, could give it a CMA, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you Hell cannot, it. you can't measure how like mem- like how much you remember. Like, I think the most interesting thing of like all pop culture from like 2016 on is how little anyone remembers any of it. Even shit with like you know, like yeah, as you said, with like incredibly overweighted Rotten Tomatoes scores on like both sides of it. No one will talk something that was made in 2016 or 2017. Fucking nobody will talk about now. It's too self-aware. There's no friction. There's no humanity in it. No, I and as a music guy, I always wonder when um, people are going to kind of circle back because that's always kind of, that was always the thing with, with music is you'd go through, it, it would just have these waves or more so like a circle where you'd start out at country music And then it goes to like the furthest experiment and then it just starts to dumb back down and then it all goes back around. Um, But I don't remember anything having the same level of self-awareness that I think most uh, entertainment does today. Yeah, no. And this is is one of the last things before things got really bad. Yeah, it's such a drag because that's why I said I think this show needed to get made because uh, judging by, and the first season did so well, like... It it just had like what was gonna what was gonna be in its place. You just wouldn't know what would be in Nashville's place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to the beginning, like I literally do not enjoy this show because again, this is a show. It's not for me. It is about like from a woman's perspective, really reliving your worst relationships, but the things you liked about them, right? <laughs> that is expressly like not for like a straight male viewer. And to that end, I do find it like excruciating and boring to watch, but I can, I can kind of appreciate how good they are at doing that. That, that said, I prefer this version of that because they, they'll make this show again and again. They've, 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 they'll keep making it, but this version of it where it doesn't care if I know if they're in on the joke or not. Yep. And it's not, they're not overdosing on self-awareness. They're still remembering they actually have to make a fucking show. Right. And that the, then that the, 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 the task is to entertain. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird fine line too, as someone who, who has gone kind of through both, both sides of it and looked at it in different ways. Like you can tell when someone is, even if it's a hit song, like I can tell when I'm phoning it in or if it's like a hit song and I still wouldn't like maybe like it or listen to it. But I was like, but I'm thinking like, this is good. And I want to take some time and like work on it. Um, there is like this, there's just a difference. Like, I think they could tell that this show was going to at least be like what you said, like, it's just going to be past. It's going to be entertaining for people and, and, yeah. and, and in a way authentic in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I was originally going to ask you like how you would 
like make a show about music. But I think like the more interesting question is like, do you think we can ever like turn back the knob, not on self-awareness, but on like letting the audience know you're self-aware? Do you think that's even possible? I would hope so. I, I think maybe it's possible just because like I said, everything goes, goes around in circles, but I, I don't know. I remember having like racist cousins growing up and they would be like, Oh, I'm not going to listen to crap or, you know, that yeah. reference to like rap. And there was a time, I think after, um, I think it was after Tupac died where rap kind of started to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Puff Daddy came and it, or and it wasn't even Puff, I don't know who it was, but like it just came back like full force. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I thought, I thought like, oh, okay, like, like, you know, the people like my cousin are going to finally put rap like to bed and that's going to be it. We had this good time listening to, you know, these guys talk into music. And now it's the most dominant form of music. So, you know, and it, it owns like the charts and it's the only thing people still buy. Um, so, I wonder if it's just if if this is just a lull in what would just be kind of like mindless entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of hope that. I mean, it seems like broader range. It seems like a current that is over the entire culture. And yeah, it's I think that, I mean, I hate to say like it's the Internet, but it's the Internet. Yeah. I mean, I guess the real thing is like whenever like I I, I like watching like really bad like streaming shows or like premium cable shows because I can always figure out like what got into the writer's minds from mm-hmm. being, on, being on Twitter too much. It's just, it's just like when you would like look at the Elizabeth Warren campaign and be like, well, why did they do that? They just, yeah, they were hyper reactive. I, I am interested in, you know, where you're coming from as someone who's like, you know, been around these people a lot, like has succeeded like in the American entertainment, entertainment industry, like, more than like most people I know, do you think like, do you think people are able to like pull back to like, just not be on their phones like 12 hours a day and have it bleed into everything they do? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, especially as someone who like is constantly like, okay, how about I put my phone away for like three hours? Um, and it never works. And I've got kids too, which makes it, it's like even the weirder thing where you're like, I've got these children and yet I choose to like sit here and like tweet with like Tom yeah. Drew. Um, yeah. And you do. And so it's, it's, it's very strange. Um, I don't know. I think that, I think we'll get out of it because this has got to get boring at some point. Yeah. Because it, it seems like no one is really enjoying the culture. Like at no, all. no, not at all. There's nothing enjoyable about it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to have some success too in like around 2010 or 11 is like, uh, I wasn't trying to like necessarily write a pop song, but it ended up sounding like a pop song, but didn't sound like any other pop song. Yeah. And so, so I think that that's why it was able to cut through and it wasn't just something where like, yeah, where you're in a studio session and you're just like, Oh, well this song just did this. Like, for example, I, in another form uh, is like Broadway, which is to me the absolute lowest form of anything. <laughs> Why? It's just I I just don't I I just don't enjoy it. I just don't. And, yeah. And I'm gonna cancel myself for saying that because um, because I'm working on a Broadway show, and I just remember like Ham- Hamilton came out, 
and I'm in the middle of working on this show and they're like, oh, well, what if like the character, the producers are like, what if the character raps? And you're like, can we just fucking like not like can Broadway and you sort of got the feeling that all these shows on Broadway were just going to start having everybody like rapping the dialogue. Um, and I guess for whatever reason, like they've I think that they've toned that shit down. And I was I was like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be reactionary to Hamilton. I mean, maybe that's a good sign. Like if they dialed back being hyper reactive in that. I know because that was and that was like the biggest fucking thing of all time. Like. Like I, I had to sing on, I sang on the soundtrack because, uh, because I felt like I was going to get canceled in Broadway if I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll sing on, <laughs> like, like I did, did it to save myself. And I was like, oh fuck, I hate, I hated that show with a passion. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll like, maybe they'll like hyper regulate phones where it's like, it just, it like overheats if you look at it for more than like. 10 minutes out of an hour. I don't know. It will be like some type of regulation. Uh, and then TV will be good again. And like, yeah. we could even get something as good as Nashville, which I don't even think was that amazing on network TV again. Well, the thing is that we need network TV to come back because that's where they're going to, that's where they're going to have, I get maybe money to hire like decent writers, but mm-hmm. also need them to make stuff that's for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're just there needs to be like less TV writers. That's the final thing I can recommend. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. There are too many. There are way too many and none of them seem good. No, well, all this shit has basically been now at this point, it's all basically been. Oh, I guess it's like kind of the music thing, too. So like everything's been done. So when you hear someone like try and completely reinvent the wheel, um, none of it's even good. No, I, 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 for the record, and I should have told you this when you first asked me, uh, I don't watch TV. I no. Think, yeah. I hate, I hate TV. Well, yeah, because it is, I mean, out of like, it is kind of like the lowest American art form, right? Like the, the thing that like, I think is probably the best TV show ever Deadwood. It was literally too good to be on TV. Like it's, it's ethos was anti TV. It's ethos I, was that there is no like singular protagonist and any like atomized actor is inevitably doomed. And the only thing you have is the collective and that could not survive American TV or really any TV. Like it's, it's yeah, it's the lowest art form, but I think it's the most interesting one for me to look at because it is, it's so uniquely ours. I mean, we're not the only country that makes like widely watched TV shows, but we make the most distinct and imitated kind and there is something about the lowest variety of TV, like network dramas and shit, that is so, it's shitty in a way that, like, no one else can really do. Yeah, I mean, well, f- f- I guess from what I've heard, like, you know, the BBC has those kind of soap operas, like EastEnders or West, yeah. or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, they they do their thing, but, man, we can do it on, we can do it because we can put out 30 of them and only one of them has to stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the budget is limitless. So we, were, we were talking about this with Lethal Weapon. It, it's like the first episode costs like $30 million or something. Wait, really? Yeah, it was something just so absurd. And I was talking to Olga about it. And she like she had just then she like told me a story about how um, some wild story about some show on Paramount that got made 
that they that the first episode costed like millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it all it was was just a way for the writer of the show to get another show picked up. Yeah, no, it is like <laughs> it's the perfect thing because it's like, yeah, it's a very low art form. It's completely wasteful and it's utterly dominant. Yes, it's like that wasteful. Yeah, you do a thirty million dollar thing, so you. Oh, well, now I can do the real thing that I wanted. Yeah. And the thing I think the thing with streaming is, is it's just it has opened it up for everybody. I I th- would do away with streaming. That'd kind of be the first thing I would do. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's nothing. Nothing but pain has come from it. We need state TV. Yeah. No, literally we do. We need like what is the only thing that people in America want anymore? It's a media career. We have the resources to give every, everyone can make like one episode of TV in their lifetime. At least that would be odd. That'd be like, uh, like, like when you have to join like the IDF, <laughs> like yeah. at 18, you have to come up with a show. Well, that, that is our IDF. That's our real military. That's the only thing where we're actually winning people over is the, our only thing we make besides weapon systems <laughs> is the culture that everyone wants. We like, can't do anything else. We like, our supply chains were fucked like long before COVID. But the one thing we can do is we can make people worlds away who, even if you ask them like on a poll, like what is your opinion of Americans? Like very low, like the lowest of the low. I think they're the next, I, I think they're the third Reich of the current year. Um, they still want, they're imitating American culture in one aspect or another. Yeah, that's so like, that's a, that's yeah. a real that's the real uh, spear point of the empire, right? Yeah, I mean, and this that's what's so strange about Hollywood. And I would think about that whenever they would talk about um, King, Kim Jong Un or whoever, and how they were like such a crazy movie buff. Yeah, and and I'm thinking like, well, don't these guys want? I thought they wanted to destroy our country. And it, I guess the two aren't related necessarily. They don't have to be related, at least. No, no, we this country still happens to make the things that everyone wants to imitate. But the thought, the thought that like, and this is one thing that I never understood, even at the height of my popularity, like I'd be around people and they just want to like hang out with other like famous people or like famous actors or stuff, shit like that is like being an actor just seems like one of the lamest things to say, like, I'm going to try and be an actor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And yet somehow these people are the people that are dictating what our culture is. Yeah, because they're the real operators like that. That's they're the real they're getting more done for America than a thousand Chris Giles could have. <laughs> um, I mean, I get like maybe like hip hop stars, I guess, are kind of like they're they're the real. Oh, yeah. No, them. Yeah, them, too. Yeah, they're the real ones, like kind of starting all the trends. But it's just so funny that like someone who decided that what they wanted to do was be an actor. Um <laughs> Which is just, it's just so, to me, so silly that like, that's who everybody wants to like hang out with and be surrounded by and, and take pictures of. Yeah, no, a hilarious pursuit. And like, no, literal heads of state want to be around that. Because I mean, I guess, you know, they know what time it is. I like, I think comedians, maybe it's a little bit, at least it's a little more authentic, but like an actor, like, like, why would you want to hang out with like Brad Pitt necessarily? (laughs) I, yeah, I would never want to like sit next to Robert De Niro. And I feel like, right. what the fuck am I going to talk to him about? Like, like an actor is just like, it's a weird cipher. That's why they're good actors is because they can just fill their void with something. Yeah. And, uh, and any actor I know too is in life, the most dramatic person I've ever met. Yeah. They're always working. Always working. Well, 
I, I, you know, to, to wrap this up, I do have to say to people, if you are, you know, a mother, a sister or whatever, or you, you have them, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely get them into Nashville. You can get into Nashville. I wouldn't recommend if you're a man, I wouldn't recommend imitating any of the things from the show. You're not Deacon. You don't have Deacon swag. You're probably more of an Avery, but you're an Avery without a recording contract. So don't, you know, don't try to, don't try to live this show. The message of this show is that affairs are like good, that everyone does them, but you know, you're not going to be able to do what the characters do. But if you, if you really want to understand, you know, especially middle-aged women, I would definitely watch this show. I would give this, I would passively recommend this one. Nate, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, they can't. I'm my, my, uh, my account is locked. No, I don't, I don't mean your account. I mean, I was still like, it's a clean cast. I was like, what? no. Oh, shit. Oh, my bad. Uh, yeah, but you know what? My account's locked. Um, no, can, well, yeah, I'm can, not leaking your account. They can try and find uh, 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 at Claincast where uh, where it's supposed to be about Lethal Weapon, but we really just yell at each other the whole entire time. Uh, we will we'll put a link to that in the episode description. Oh, thank you list. so thank yeah. you so much. I'm so no, happy to be doing of course. So happy to be doing the press tour for Claincast. <laughs> yeah, this is part of the Claincast press junket. Well, whether you're a Raina James and you're on your way down, whether you're a Juliet Barnes, you're on your way up. Whether, whether you're Deacon and you're relapsing or whether you're Teddy and no one cares about your story, um, I'll see you at the Grand Ole Opry. Bye-bye. Get what she said now.